So what, 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 what is the World Journeys podcast? Well, for those who've been reading my blog at all, you'll know that I write about traveling to different destinations, experiences, and uh, so on. Uh, so this is a travel-themed podcast, and I will be talking to stacks of people about travel experiences, about their favorite places, about life living in another country, about their own country, about, well, I'm going to try and cover as much of the travel theme as is humanly possible. Hello, and welcome to the very first World Journeys podcast. My name is Andrew Boland and uh, I will be the host for this podcast, this travel themed podcast. Our first series is going to be about life in Japan. I am recording this introduction from a very windy, at the moment, Yokohama, uh, and uh, I've been interviewing people for the last month or so and I have a couple more of interviews to go and uh, that will form the first sort of mini series of the World Journeys podcast with the central theme of living working in Japan specifically as a foreigner. So today's interview is with a man called Michael Eastwood who has been in Japan for eight years. He's just gone back to America to live. Um, and he has some very interesting uh, and thoughtful insights into living in Japan uh, and some, some good stories too. So I'm, I'm hoping you're going to really enjoy today's interview. And um, please stay tuned. We hope to uh, have the uh, a new podcast up each Friday. And hopefully uh, we'll get... A number, maybe about 15 to 20 podcasts in, in 2014. So, without further ado, let's begin. On the World Journeys podcast, the very first World Journeys podcast, today's guest is someone who has been living and working in Japan for eight years now. Uh, he's about to return to America. He has a wealth of experience and stories. Please welcome to the podcast, Michael Eastwood. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here today, especially now that this is your first uh, podcast. I'm excited to, to see what we can talk about. Well, Michael and I are both kind of in the same boat right at this moment. We've just finished our contracts and uh, we're, heading, we're heading away home from Iwate yes. uh, in the next couple of days. Beautiful Ichinoseki. Beautiful Ichinoseki. Uh, Michael, uh, why don't you start by just telling us a little pricey about yourself? All right. Well, I've, uh, as you know, lived here in Japan. This is now my eighth year here, but uh, I'm heading back to the States, back to Maryland. I lived uh, five years in Aomori, which is north of us. Uh, for those who don't know, we're on the main island of Honshu. And so uh, Aomori was the northernmost prefecture, and I was there for five years, and then uh, on the JET program teaching English. And now I work uh, in Iwate. I've been here for three years teaching English as well. And, uh, yeah, that's basically me in a nutshell. <laughs> so what made you make the big decision to leave the States and, uh, and seek your fortune in Japan? <laughs> that's a loaded question right there. But, well, the answer I usually give everybody is um, the women. No, uh, to be honest... Um, I studied English in university, 
and I also took some Japanese language classes there. And to be honest, your English, it's pretty good. My English is, yeah, not bad, not bad, although after eight years in Japan, I'm sure it can use some improvement. But um, like I said, I was on the JET program, Japan Exchange Teaching Program, and my cousin, actually, my older cousin, uh, had been on the same program, too, after she graduated from university back in the mid-90s. And she was down in Shikoku, one of the islands, uh, other islands down there, down south of us. And uh, she was here, I guess, for two years, loved it, had a great time. And when she found out I was studying Japanese, she suggested that I look into the JET program. And I hadn't heard about it from before then. Um, well, I knew she was in Japan teaching, but I didn't know what program she was on. So she told me about that, and I talked to her about it, I talked to my professors, and I thought, yeah, you know, it would be nice to get out of the States for a while, see the world a bit, and uh, teach English, and have fun while I was doing it. So I decided to move over here. So maybe uh, for our listeners, could you just tell us a little bit about the JET program? Yeah. Uh, the JET program is a Japanese government-sponsored uh, English teaching program. Uh, basically, you are set up. Uh, there are a few positions. Uh, the position I held was called ALT, Assistant Language Teacher. And your job mainly then is to teach in the public school system. Uh, it can be anywhere from nursery school up to high school. And your, uh, your I guess, interviewed and selected and sent over here uh, by the Japanese government and you work with Japanese teachers who speak English, team teaching environment and basically you're just here to be an international presence in the classroom because uh, it's not just about teaching English of course, the, the main thrust of the program yes is teaching English but there are a few governmental bodies involved in the program and one of them is uh, you know promoting cross-cultural awareness as well so you're, you're there as an international you know uh, uh, presence it's a sort of a grassroots program in that way and uh, yeah basically teach English share your culture and uh, share the world and basically JET is the program I guess probably the, the best Best program for anyone wanting to yeah, it's to come and speak, uh, teach English. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely the best program I think to get into. Um, it's the only one that's sponsored by the government, so you're guaranteed a very nice salary. Um, you have a nice support system. Uh, they pay for you to come over here and to go back when when your contract is up. Um, a lot of people will stay for one or two years, but right now the program allows you to stay up to five years, and that, that changed when I got here. <clears throat> Originally it was three years, but I, when I was here they changed it to five, and I thought, well, I've already done three, what's another two? But now we're here eight years later. <laughs> so what is it, I mean, I know you're going back to America finally, but what is it? What, what has it been about Japan um, that's, that's kept you here for the, for the, for the eight years? Well, I, I love the people here. Um, we live in an area, you know, Tohoku, uh, it's called. And I think the people here are just so kind, so open, so friendly. Uh, I made great friends while I was here. I love teaching. I love working with uh, the elementary and junior high school age kids. They're very energetic, very excited about English. They're always excited to see you when you come into the classroom. So I've worked at great schools with great teachers. You know, we have a saying in JET, every situation is different. And 
that's the case with, with ALT works. You can sometimes get really crappy schools or get into working with teachers who might not, you know, want you there or feel threatened by your by your presence in the classroom. But as for me, I've I've worked with great teachers the whole time and that really that really makes or breaks your experience here. And for me that's what really prompted me to stay. So you know, Maury, um were you changing schools each year, or did you have the same group of schools? How many schools did you work at? When I when I first <clears throat> excuse me first came, I was teaching at seven schools, uh, three junior highs, and four elementary schools. But as you know, the population in Japan <clears throat> is shrinking, um, and so there are less and less children entering the school system every year. So by the time I left um, Aomori two of those schools had closed down um, and had been combined with other schools. I worked out in what we call the Inaka, the countryside. And, yeah, the population is there. It's mostly farming, uh, agriculture, but the population was declining out in the region where I lived. And so they were closing schools as a budget, uh, you know, as a budget constraint uh, kind of thing there. So when I moved to Ichinoseki, uh, Ishinoseki is actually getting larger. They just they they've been eating up towns around them uh, and have been expanding. But the population has in here too. So when I came to Ishinoseki, I was teaching at more schools than I am now because I've seen some other uh, elementary schools close as well. But yeah, since I came to Japan, I was at the same schools uh, for the five year period and then for the three year period. Mm. And uh, how does Joy Talk? Uh, as a company, compare with uh, Jet. Yeah, so Joy Talks, the company I'm with now. Um, as far as ALT companies go, most of them are very similar. Um, a lot of them are uh, not. Well, Joy Talk is is basically um, uh, run out of Tochigi Prefecture, um, and so they have a. Uh, sort of a salesman that goes around and visits all the prefectures to try and get you know their ALTs into the school. They're basically a dispatch company. The downside of working with dispatch companies is that you don't really have a great support system. I think like like you would see on the Jet program. When I was on Jet, all the ALTs knew each other. We all um, you know interacted, uh, went to parties, and we had a central uh, a supervisor who was a foreigner that we could speak to. Um, here on uh, Joy Talk, um, our, our supervisor is Japanese, and he's the one that we have to work through. So if your Japanese language ability isn't great, it can cause some trouble uh, trying to communicate. But, you know, overall, uh, I think they're, they're fairly competitive, along with the other dispatch ALT companies like Interact or uh, Temp Staff or E.ON, um, but like I said, you don't you don't really interact. I don't really interact with the company side as much since I'm in the school systems. You know, they're you know the teachers and the principals are the ones who I'm working with mainly. And Jet Jet's the only one pretty much that offers you medical insurance. That's yeah, well, I mean, basically, and not to not to sound like a like a gloomy Gus or or something like that, but prophet of doom, but. Um, a lot of the ALT dispatch companies don't consider their ALTs to be full-time workers, which in Japan can cause a tr uh, problem because if you're not full-time, then the company is not obligated to pay for your health insurance. 
where in uh, the JET program you're you're full time, you're considered full time. Um, you definitely work full time, and uh, the company, the the program itself will pay for half of your, you know, medical insurance, half of your pension, all that kind of stuff, and then you you cover the rest of it. You know, it's like you would back in in the states. You know, your your employer pays a portion and you pay a portion. But if you go with the ALT dispatch companies and you're considered part time, even if you're working full time hours, which was the case on Joy Talk and is the case with another uh, a number of other companies. Uh, you will get stuck with covering all of your medical expenses. Well, as speaking as an Interact employee, we're always required to be at school, you know, you know, 10, 15 minutes before the first bell, so about 8.15, 8.20, uh, and then I was obligated to be there until 4 o'clock, but I was only paid for 29.5 hours a week. Same, same with me, yeah, yeah. Of course, I stayed longer many days a week. You stay longer, and of course... They put in your contract that if the teacher requests you to stay longer, you should stay longer. But it's not it's not overtime. It's it's volunteer work. But I still don't know how they come up with the twenty nine point five hours. Our our company's deal is they'll tell you, oh well, you get an hour lunch break. Well, but then a few lines down in the contract it says you're required to eat lunch with the students. So I don't see how that's personal free time. So you're still working, in in my opinion. But you know what? If you're going to come to, to teach in Japan and you can't get on JEP and you go with a dispatch company, these are, these are things you need to be aware of. And people should know that, uh, I guess, that's pretty much what you've, what you've got as an option other than JEP. Yeah, that's going to be the industry standard, I think. So, um, if you find yourself here in Japan with that sort of situation, don't think that anyone apart from JETs are getting it any better than you are, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. So tell us a little bit about Aomori Prefecture, because we've talked a bit, or we will talk a bit, about uh, Iwate and other podcasts, but um, you've spent five years in Aomori, yes. so tell, tell us uh, what's it like, what are the people like, food, best places? Definitely, definitely. Um, <clears throat> I guess the main thing Aomori is known for uh, agriculturally is apples. It is probably Japan's number one apple producer. Um, it's where the Fuji apple originated. When I was in the States, I assumed Fuji was Mount Fuji, but it actually comes from a town in Aomori called Fujisaki. And the apples there are absolutely delicious. Absolutely delicious. And they obviously export to the States. Yep, they export to the States. Well, I don't know if they export to the States uh, or if they've just you know, transplanted grafted the trees, brought the trees over to grow, but I know in, uh, I have several friends from Hawaii, and they do get Aomori apples in, in Hawaii. Another thing that's popular is, uh, black garlic, um, which is basically a ferment, garlic that's been fermented, and, uh, it's not my cup of tea, well, it depends on how it's served, I had a pudding version of it once, which was horrible. Well, my mother-in-law, she, um, she, she cooks the garlic. Basically, she just she puts it to stew or whatever or to, to, on the slow, simmering cook over, I don't know, two weeks or something. Uh, and the garlic turns black, uh, and then they eat it. <laughs> just, just like that. They just, just pop like it that. into the mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an acquired taste, I think. But uh, when I was back in the States over winter break, I did find out that Trader Joe's, a, a popular uh, food chain, uh, supermarket chain, whatever you want to call it, 
uh, has started carrying Aomori black garlic. So I guess if I'm really feeling homesick, I'll, I'll go there and, and get some, but I'll probably regret it afterwards. Anyway, other than, other than uh, of course, great seafood, great apples, great, you know, black garlic, I guess, uh, Aomori is then mainly known for the Nebuta Festival, which is a huge summer festival that draws millions of visitors uh, every summer. It's, it's run in August. Um, without going into a whole many details about it, basically, pretty much every city or town in Aomori parades these giant uh, rice paper lantern floats. Huge. I mean, you're talking, some of these are 9 feet long or 16 feet long. Uh, huge 3D sculptures of warriors and demons in battle uh, and parade them through the, through the streets while dancing. And it, it's something to see. Uh, if, you, if you have a chance to see it, I would definitely go and see it. But it's also quite fun to dance in the parade. You have to wear a special costume, of course, but you can rent them, and it's just an experience not to be missed. Uh, over where I lived, on the Sugaru side of uh, the prefecture, there's a city called Goshigawara. They also have their own Neputa, it's called Tachi Neputa, uh, parade as well. But these floats that they make are eight stories high, and they parade them on a very specific route that doesn't cross through any intersections with wiring <laughs> obviously but man that's something to see too it's wild it's you know basically uh Aomori has its own language its own dialect and nepute in that dialect means sleepy and the the local folklore is that these festivals originated one as a way for the farmers to uh pray for a good rice harvest because they take they take uh, place in the summertime right before the harvest and the farmers really had nothing to do so they thought hey let's get together and build these giant floats and have a little bit of fun and and yeah it's it's something to see it really is a lot of people when they come to japan hardly ever come up our way into tohoku but they're missing out i would say if you come in the summertime in august beginning of august you gotta go to see nebuta in aomori and how's the weather in August? Is it much cooler than here in Iwate? Because let's be honest, like Tokyo in, in, in August is is unbearable just about. Well, you know, I'm from I'm from Baltimore and yeah, we're basically uh what is that, thirty ninth parallel, fortieth parallel. We're basically right now in Iwate along the same uh uh latitude. And the weather is comparable here. When you get up into Aomori, I don't know. The winters are extreme. The winters are very extreme. I remember my first year there, we got maybe, I don't know how many, three meters of snow for the entire season. And when it snows, it snows. I mean, I would usually, my routine in the winter is, and <coughs> excuse me, you don't, you don't get to, not go to school like you do in the States when it snows, depending on where you live. I would usually have to get up at 5 in the morning, take a look out to see how much snow was there, go out, shovel off, you know, shovel out my car, shovel off my, my yard. I'd go back inside, sleep for another hour, get up, check again, do a little more shoveling, because you probably, in that hour, you probably get a good, you know, I don't know how much that is, uh, 6 inches, 5 inches of snow. 
take a shower, get dressed, go to school. Uh, yeah, winters are extreme. They're cold. Tons of snow. Summers are hot. And for some reason, the house that I lived in in Aomori did not have an air conditioner. Air conditioners are not big things in Japan. Central heating is not big either, as mm. you well know. Uh, but uh, I would just sit with a fan. I had, a, had an electric fan, and I got the handheld paper fans in the summer. It would get close to 100 degrees Fahrenheit. What's that in centigrade? I don't even know. Uh, 37, 38 37, degrees. 38. Um, so it's pretty so, yeah, much... It's pretty it's, much like here. It it's like, like Iwate. In fact, yeah. it's even maybe a little bit hotter. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, But thankfully, I lived near the beach. Nice thing about the school system there, at least in my city, was uh, in the summertime, the teachers only had to work for three hours out of the day. So they could come in in the morning or they could come in in the afternoon. It was up really? to them. And so I would go in in the morning, you know, and do speech contest practice with my students and get my card. I'd be wearing my bathing suit under my, you know, pants. And I'd just go over and to the beach because I was 15 minutes from the beach area and just uh, go swimming in the afternoon. So that's that's yeah, that was that was life back then. Let me tell you. <laughs> How did you um, with the jet program? How do you get assigned to Omori or? Well, during the application process, you do have the choice of uh, of writing down uh, cities where you'd like to be placed. I think you have three choices. And then they also have a list of boxes you can check for places you'd be comfortable working, rural areas, suburbs, or, or cities. Um, and the secret here is if you really want to go to Japan, you, you check rural. And that almost guarantees that you'll get placed somewhere in Japan. Because a lot of people check cities. They want to be in Tokyo. You're never going to get Tokyo. You know. I think when I put, uh, I think when I applied, I, I had only been to Japan once before from Tokyo South. So I put down like uh, Kyoto or, you know, all the, all the popular places everybody wants to go to. You're never going to get those. But if you check off rural you're almost guaranteed a placement and for me they just usually the jet program will just pick where you're going and I ended up in Aomori um, and it was one of the best places I could have gone I think so I really feel lucky uh, that I could have lived there for so long. When you came to live in Japan was there anything that surprised you about life here? <laughs> My first day in Japan uh, I got picked up at the airport by my uh, supervising uh, teachers or, or staff from the, from the Board of Education. And there was another guy uh, who had been an ALT. Uh, his name is Brian. And he actually had gone to university in Maryland as well, at the Goucher College. And I was down at Towson. But um, after they, after we, you know, I met and went to the city office and got, you know, my, my, foreigner registration card and got my picture taken and met all the staff and you know did all the the greetings uh brian drove me around we went to the supermarket because i had nothing you arrived with you know your two suitcases into an empty house and so uh we went to the supermarket and i was totally just like blown away I, there was there was fish fish and seaweed as far as the eye could see but I couldn't find any decent ground beef or, you know, I just, I didn't know what to do. 
because I, I couldn't read any of the packages, and I just didn't know what, what, what to do. So Brian, thankfully, guided me through. And, you know, bananas I could identify easily enough. So I think I got, like, bananas, and I did find the ground beef, which is terribly expensive here. But I loaded up my shopping cart, and as we're, you know, going up and down the aisles, one aisle we meet this old grandma. I had no idea who she was, and Brian didn't know who she was. But she stopped and looked at me because I'm six foot three, 191 centimeters tall. I'm a big guy, and I tower over basically everybody here in Japan. Um, and she looked at me, and she looked in my cart, and she started rooting through my groceries and she's and she's saying oh so this is what americans eat and she's just going through and looking at everything that i bought so that was that was a bit of a Which is basically just 25 kilos of ground beef yeah basically <laughs> and some almori black garlic <laughs> so tell us uh just before we wrap this up uh think about like um is there any, any things that you sort of felt about Japan when you first started, say in the first 12 months of teaching here, uh, that have sort of changed, your opinions have changed as you're leaving Japan? I think everybody arrives uh, in Japan when you're coming here. You're very excited. You go through the honeymoon stage, you know, where everything is new, everything is wonderful. What surprised me, <clears throat> I guess, about my whole experience is that after... I don't know, I guess after two years I was still excited and things were still, you know, new and, oh, we're going to go to this shrine or go to this bar or whatever. I mean, my friends were taking me everywhere. You can do a lot of sightseeing. It's very easy to get around here. But I found that after about the third year, if you stay here for a long time, you start to fall into a little bit of a rut. You know, it's like you still got to go to work. You still got to go to the office. It's nice uh, seeing the kids and all, but it is still work. And... uh I don't know. Sometimes I look back and I think, and I and I wish I had just seized the day. I guess a little bit more, because uh, now that I'm leaving, you know, not that I have any regrets about my time here. I've enjoyed every minute of it. But I I also think, man, I wish I could have done this, this, this. So I really encourage you if you if you do come here that you really uh, enjoy every moment that you're here. You don't fall into a rut. Yeah, you're working, but try and enjoy. Uh, enjoy every minute that you're here. What was the best thing that you did when you were in Japan, in your whole time in Japan? Like, the one thing... Let's forget about work. Let's forget just... about work. Um, gosh, that's... There's just been so many experiences. Um, I tell you, one of the best decisions I ever made, this is not... It's not a sightseeing, it's not a place to go, but uh, a lot of ALTs fall into the trap of only hanging out with other ALTs and only hanging out with other foreigners. When I first moved to Aomori, it's a, it was a small town that I was in. There were, in our city, there were three English teachers. But we all lived very far apart, because our, our, our city as a whole was, was fairly large. Uh, uh, not population, but, but distance-wise. We were spread out. I found a group of Japanese friends that I could get, you know, that I... That I uh, I was teaching an adult English class, 
I say English, and I, you can't see me, but I'm doing the quotation marks for English because English class, because basically it was an excuse for us to get together every week and to eat good food and to drink and to talk and to have fun. And I still go up there after eight years to go and visit them. Uh, they've come to the States. They're a very good support system when I needed them. They know all the, you know, if you're in a jam, Japanese people will, are, will, are willing to bend over backwards to help you get out of it. At least my experience here in Tohoku has been that. So get involved with uh, a group of Japanese people. I have Japanese friends my age. I have Japanese friends in their 40s and their 50s. I have Japanese friends in their 60s and 70s. And I even have one very good Japanese grandma who just turned 90 last month. And you know what? I, I, I wouldn't trade them for anything because they have just been a great support. Uh, they've been fun to hang around with. We've, we've made so many great memories. And uh, that, that really is what makes or breaks your time here in Japan, the people you know and the people you connect with. Thank you very much, Michael. Before I let you go, uh, one question I'm asking everyone on the podcast, because it's a travel podcast, and today we've talked about Japan, but I did want to ask one question. If there's one country in the world that you haven't been so far that you haven't visited so far, that you'd love to go to, what, what is that country and why? Easy, Germany. And why? And I would love to go during Oktoberfest. <laughs> that should tell you why. <laughs> I had a feeling that's where that was going. Michael, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. My pleasure. Today. Thank you for having me. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was great to sit here and reminisce and share my experiences. And uh, hopefully some of you out there listening will come to Japan and try your hand at teaching English. And that's the podcast for this week. Next week, I'll be talking to Dean H. Rutzler, who's also been in uh, Japan for a long time, in fact, over 10 years now, and uh, he certainly has some very humorous stories to tell. It's a great podcast next week, so please do come back, download the show, or listen to it online, or whatever it is you do, and uh, please, if you want to, please find me on WordPress, that's World Journeys Discover, uh, .wordpress.com, or, of course, please do follow me on Twitter, WorldJourneys75. Until next Friday, may the journey never end. <laughs>